sit on the couch with me is Bill. And Bill, you are a psychologist, a psychotherapist by trade, and your writing experience is around academia. Now, we could talk about um, academia, academic writing, but we've had some wonderful conversations about trauma. And I'm curious if you've actually thought about writing about trauma from a therapist and a patient perspective. Yes, I have. I mean, one of the, the things that drove the book I've recently completed was my frustration with a medical model of managing mental health, or probably more importantly, psychological distress. And in the book, I challenge the way psychiatry does its business, mm -hmm. and then I give case histories of how, if you understand somebody's trauma, and if you ask the question, what happened, rather than what is wrong with you, yes. you actually get to the core of the heart, and to the core of the matter, the heart of the matter, which is overwhelmingly people come into contact with mental health services, not because they've got some mysterious mental illness, no, but because something of that happened. Something that happened, exactly right. And the thing is that sometimes there's no awareness that something that happened to you can have a traumatic impact on your brain and your mental health. Absolutely. We know that, particularly early on in your lives, if you uh, were to suffer from neglect or, or what we call acts of, uh, acts of commission, where somebody does something very nasty to you, your brain gets wired differently. It does. And your brain gets wired for protection. Mm. Whereas 60% of the population have nice childhoods, their brain gets wired for connection. Mm. Now, if your brain is wired for connection, life is easier. Yes. But obviously, if your, wire, if your brain is wired for protection, it, it's wired that way to keep you safe. It is. It is. And Our primitive brains are always there to keep us safe, and they revert to a primitive protection mechanism and I'm sure that people don't realise that that's what yeah. happens. And it's not just the reptilian primitive brain, mm -hmm. because that primitive brain is always on the lookout for threat. It is. But what is important and what we know is that particularly around the amygdala of the brain, mm -hmm. which is actually part of the mammalian brain, we yes. know that if you have a bad childhood, your amygdala gets wired to scan the horizon for threat. Threat. Yeah, and it finds it. I mean, it it's, it's the red car problem. Mm -hmm. If somebody says to you, you know, look for red cars, you suddenly realise there's hundreds of them. So, uh, no, I was going to say a lot. Now, all of my patients, they are all, their amygdalas are all on the lookout for threat. Mm -hmm. And this is just teaching. Stress. Yeah, yeah. It, they're Actually, in a stress response yeah. constantly. Yeah, well, it, well, I'd go a bit further. I think they're in a distress response. Yes, that's right? a great and, description. But, but, and the, but the great problem with trauma is, if you have a nice childhood, you will learn how to manage distress. Mm. Your your primary caregivers will give you methods to of deal, yeah, which is talking. So they will talk, they will connect. However, unfortunately, for all of my clients, they get distressed by their own distress. And they manage that often by using substances, by sex, yes. by shopping, by cutting, all by, by you know, a lot of quick fixes. Mm. 
but of course they're not the answer. And particularly in dealing with people with alcohol and drug problems, you need to see beyond the substance Definitely. and see what that substance is actually, Definitely. what hole that substance is actually. Because that's being. not the thing that got them to the point of addiction. There was something else. Sure, sure. I mean, they, 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 you know, only 10% of people who drink develop actually alcohol dependence. Actually have a yeah. defined alcohol dependency yeah. as defined by the uh, psychiatric... Yeah, well, I mean, we won't worry too much about psychiatric yeah. diagnosis, which is notoriously unreliable. But, but it is, isn't it? Totally. And the, so the issue here is you always, and the good management of people with alcohol and drug problems, of course they need to get sober or straight, but then you have to do the work which yes. you know, elucidates Finds the trauma. The... And this is... And it's hard work, Bill. Well, it's... Actually, it's fascinating work. Oh, it's fascinating. As the therapist, as the well, therapist. I actually think as, the, as being the, the, the patient, it's been fascinating for me to yes. learn yeah. how my brain, why my brain, but it must be fascinating for you to see yeah. the different outcomes of that. And it, and it is because what you hear is astounding stories, which people have, and you're absolutely right. I think in order to survive as a child, when your life is really mm-hmm. at risk or is extremely unpleasant, the only way you can manage on a day-to-day basis is to push it down and suppress right. everything. Mm-hmm. Now, that's all very well, and you manage by suppression. You do. Right? And you try to forget all that, and actually you internalise mm-hmm. this into a statement, it's my fault. Yes. If only I was better, Absolutely. then... If only I was better, then my it's parents would love me. Mm-hmm. The difficulty is that works perfectly well to get you through your childhood. It's, 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 it's a great it defense. doesn't work in adulthood. Yeah, well, that is absolutely true, Tony. The, the defenses we use in childhood then become hurtful and harmful in adulthood. Correct. And what happens, and this is a, a great <laughs> generalization, but the wheels of suppression tend to fall off when you're 39 years and four days old. Yes. It's really yes. interesting that Isn't it? you can use all this energy. Until that point, and yeah. then something happens and, and bang. And you fall apart. So yes. people talk about having mental breakdowns, which I've always thought is a very strange term. But but actually... We haven't what, really got something that adequately describes what happens well, at I, I, that I point. Think, I, I think what happens is they decompensate. I think because yes. you've had all this suppression... But, let me be very clear. The 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 it's my fault um, mm-hmm. hypothesis, which kids use, yeah. absolutely saves their lives. Absolutely. Because what we discover is that there are always some precocious suicides in, in children at eight, nine, ten, eleven, yeah. twelve, and what's happened to them is they've suddenly realised that it's not their fault. Mm-hmm. They are in an impossible situation. They are. Being, and they're too young. Their brains are too. Yeah. Immature to deal with that. Yeah, and, and they so they they lose the they lose the it, it's my fault thing, and they actually go no, my parents and my life is appalling, mm, and they kill themselves. So actually, the adopting it's my fault um, is a protective default is protective. It keeps you going, but unfortunately, you have to in your thirties then switch that around to it's not my fault. And if it doesn't happen, it will happen in your forties. Yeah, it, it does. Dr. Bill, what a wonderful conversation. I could keep talking to you for ages, but I've promised everyone that keep them in five minutes. Thank you so much for your time.